Hello there, I'm Stefan Coritar and welcome to the Tech Talk podcast. This is the show where you can discover insights and valuable information about how entrepreneurs build their startup in the tech industry and the way the technology world works. A collection of open talks about technology and creativity, people, experiences and life around tech business ecosystems with the main goal to help you get inspired, get started, dream big and build amazing businesses. Today, my guest is Andrei Roth. Andrei is the director for special projects at UiPath, a robotic process automation company with Romanian origins. He is leading cross-department and cross-geography strategic projects at UiPath, together with a brilliant team of professionals that aim to improve the current aspects, but always with a glance into the future to be prepared for upcoming challenges. His first role in UiPath was to lead the team building the UiPath Transylvania campus in Cluj-Napoca. As of April 2020, he joined the strategy team and now he is working on key projects with company-wide reach. Andrei has always been passionate about innovation. He graduated from the UC Berkeley Haas School of Business with a Bachelor's of Science degree. He is a fellow of the Aspen Institute Romania Young Leaders Program and the founding curator for the Global Shapers Hub in Cluj. He is also the co-founder of Inotech, the leading innovation policy event in Romania. You will hear us talk about how working in such a fast-growing company feels like, the importance of values a company is built on, and especially the UiPath program for startups and scale-ups. Enjoy the conversation and remember to subscribe and share the podcast. Hi, Andre, and welcome to Tech Talk. Hi, Stefan. Thanks for inviting me. Andre, it was uh, very straightforward for me when I saw the Automation Awards um, post that you shared on LinkedIn that this was a sign I have to have Andre on Tech Talk. <laughs> so uh, thank you for uh, taking the time. I know your, uh, your schedule is busy, and I really appreciate that you, you've given some... Uh, some um, uh, investment into you know, giving uh, some insights and news about what uh, UiPath is doing and what you are doing these days. Um, so, long time ago, right? Gecko Strategic Services, you have been involved much closer in the startup scene. Can you tell us how was it back, uh, um, back in time in that space? And how is it today? What did you see as a significant change? Wow, this, you know, in my mind, it's still not that long ago, although I realize, you know, um, from um, life or years gone by, it, it is, but I still somehow uh, see this, this, this time interval, these, I think it's about seven or eight years since mm-hmm. those times, uh, you know, dramatic change um so yeah gecko strategic services it's the it's my own company i had started that um as i was venturing into doing uh independent consulting um it was um after a few corporate experiences um initially with microsoft in silicon valley and then as i returned to romania uh working um with several companies active in the telecom sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I started seeing these opportunities, you know, having lived in Silicon Valley for a while, 
you know you, you the hype let's just say of 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 startups of innovation you could see it really boiling pretty much um across the pond so then i you know talking to some people we realized wait there's going to be potential you know the industry at the time you could see you know it was growing outsourcing uh, mostly but there were skills being acquired in the market there were you know expats like i call them like myself people who were expats coming back to romania and so expat um bringing a set of skills bringing knowledge bringing connections whether it's to silicon valley or to london or to i don't even know berlin was that hub, that central of a startup pop, a spot at the time but yeah all these all these ingredients were seemed poised to you know um somehow mix together and start generating um energy on the startup scene so yeah it was a uh, was quite interesting um to look at this on the other hand uh, it was challenging to explain people not so much about what you wanted to do but explain them how long it takes to see results yeah and this was the the biggest challenge even with some of the people i was working to initially with you know they said you know we're we're waiting to you know what are the results what's happening and i i told them you know the us this ecosystem started with darpa in the 60s or the 50s right israel started investing in the innovation ecosystem in the 70s with a constant flow of financing everything in you know across the industry and the education system to see the results it has you know Romania is not necessarily a country that has been proficient at investing in the long in the visionary future especially at the at the policy level yeah. so you know that was a hard conversation um you know explaining that this is something that takes time and it takes a commitment it it, it cannot be run on a quarter to quarter basis it it has to be run on a strategic you know understanding that the goals here are about our generation goals not uh you know pnl goals yeah um yeah. they should reflect in the pnl but they will it will take time so that i think was the biggest challenge uh of having these conversations you know and you know i, I was the slow one i was always you know this is we're not firefighting here firefighting happens when there's a crisis we can't take this as a firefight because we're going to make mistakes which is fine anyhow yeah. but we have to think it quite thoroughly and you know also accept that you know some things we will invest in and they will fail it's absolutely i'm not talking about companies which is inherent but initiatives or approaches right so that that was uh, interesting the other part that was quite interesting was also um i was uh, i was the initiator of one of the first accelerators um in spheric so when when we came up with the idea of of spheric the accelerator and i'm still proud of uh, of that name <laughs> which i fought for a lot it does um, signify uh what it is yeah the, the the funniest part was trying to get a logo and i was explaining to a brilliant team of designers you know I want a Rubik's cube but as a sphere because that's the origin of spheric. All right? And they were what? Yeah, just it's like a sphere, it's like a Rubik's cube but it's not a cube, it's a sphere. 
and all the colors mixing together. And it, it was interesting. It was amazing. I learned about geometries because they found a particular type of geometric shape that actually resembles that. It was um, fine. But going back to to the, the, the spheric, when I was talking to the people who actually set it up, I was sort of managing it on the first year or two. Um, I, what I thought was to really get you know the different kind of perspective so i went i went and you know convinced the largest uh, bank not in romania at this time but not at that time but it was banca transylvania right yeah they said yeah they're willing to come in you know because you want to have the business right i went and got the two large universities to join as founding members so both the technical university and um and the babes boyo university they came as founding members you know, the idea was we have uh, ourselves at the time as Spheric as an ecosystem player with, you know, corporate financing and then the the breeding ground for innovation, which was the university. So yeah. it was an amazing, uh, brilliant idea. Nobody had thought of it before. Obviously, I'm joking. But I was trying to replicate what is happening, you know, whether it's Silicon Valley, whether it's Norway, whether it's Austria or, you know, Israel, where you have the combination of the business of the academia, right? And they're really working together, you know, to fill in the gap so you can actually have from an idea to really something that might change or might exponentially grow or become, you know, unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a very interesting um time obviously did not work out um in terms of i'm at least from my perspective everybody said it's a cool idea but you know yeah it's sort of intuitive you know it's a no-brainer yeah let's do this you know where we can have an endowment for innovation and you know we can actually have uh, joint ventures between the academia and business so we can all make so much money and we can invest you know but once you tell them, yeah, but this needs, means you need to start investing into how you teach your students, what resources you invest in there. Now, that's when you start getting into a lot more, I wouldn't even call it conscious conscious uh, resistance, but rather opportunity cost-based resistance. Mm-hmm. Because they have projects, they're you know, public grants, whether European Union funded or, you know, that don't really ask for deliverables. And then somebody comes and says, you know, yeah, let's do this. I can't, I'm not going to pay you for this, but you know, there's uh, going to be some great rewards later down the road. Well, um, that was a tough conversation. I think it still is in, in many ways across yeah. Europe. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's changing. So I've, I've had conversations recently with, you know, from the European Commission level uh, leadership to locally they're understanding you know some st- structural issues they've had and they're doing they're taking some real steps to address these change these challenges okay this was a very <laughs> introduction about seven years ago that spanned pretty much to today no but that was really helpful uh just to have a glimpse on uh on where are you coming from and what you were uh involved in uh before you know and while doing uh, gecko strategy services and then moving into uh, Recognos and UiPath or alongside, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, that mindset is um, present even today uh, where you have that back, um, 
backfiring uh, when you when you say to different uh, entities you know and, and companies that you you will have to have deliverable deliverables at the end and um it's much easier to go after a european grant and um you know move your way through it and not have deliverables um but uh, i think those are changing uh right now as we speak even with the new phase 2021 2027 20, i guess yeah uh, so i think uh, a lot of a lot of things will change over there in terms of how they uh have the infrastructure set up for the grants um so after after gecko you you had a great opportunity and after recognos right there was the acquisition uh with the recognos and then you went on to set up the UiPath product development office in Krushnapoka in a very hyper growth times of UiPath. How is it to work in a such fast growing company? <laughs> um, I'll refer back to a quote I have from uh, a very good friend. She, the t-shirt, she had a t-shirt and I still... It's so vivid in my mind, you know, change is inevitable except from vending machines, <laughs> right? And this is pretty much, UiPath is change because, because it's this, this amazing company, pretty much unheard of a company growing at this pace, you know, and growing in a, in a healthy way in, in a sense. So it's, you know, really understanding, adapting to its new state. So changes i would think uh it's a word um i i wouldn't go and saying so much managed change but change that's based on a, it's constant on some pillars and i think that's what made ui path to this point you know there's a few values in this mm -hmm. company that were instilled you know from its founding days from um uh, and that people always revert back to it's sort of the the northern lights of the company, you know, what are we doing? You know, what's our vision? And that's about, you know, really building, autom bringing automation, and changing the way people work. But how are we going to about that change, about that vision? You know, and there's a few things that, you know, uh, really, I think, explain the success. If you ask me, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a constructive struggle between two seemingly uh, opposing uh, forces, one being bold and one being humble. That's a nice combination. And these are two of the four pillars of the company. It's two of the four pillars of the company. Uh, the other one, the other two pillars being actually to be immersed and then the other one to be fast. So mm -hmm. obviously they're essential. But this, I, I think it's a constructive uh, tension between, right? Because being bold you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to prove the world. I'm going to, you know, run everything over and I'm going to change. I'm going to bring the revolution to work, right? Mm -hmm. While being humble and, you know, always, you know, how to not become arrogant, how to not become complacent. And this is something that UiPath is, is, is managing to do. And it, it comes from, from Daniel, from the founder, right? To, to, the, to the now global leadership uh, team that, you know, sort of took these values to heart and i think honestly it's not about so much about taking them to heart but rather these are the values that got them to join this company right yeah. to, to identify with this so um yeah change is what i would think 
when I joined, I think there were about 650 people in the company. Uh, within a year and a half, even less, there were 3,000. Wow. Yeah. Uh, when I joined, the company had just become a unicorn. Right, it, we, it had. I think it was round uh, C at the time mm-hmm. um, for a valuation of a little over one billion. Now, you know, another year and a half, we were a seven billion dollar company. Um, but uh, actually, based on some amazing revenue growth, not only about the hype. So we're actually seeing um, growth in the enterprise software sector. So that's amazing because you know enterprises are not really going to uh, buy services from a, a startup. They're gonna be usually, they're the last to pick up. So in this sector, to be able to do this, that does mean you have really, you know, found this, this Midas point, right? Like where, where your technology, your, the market, right? And, you know, and the customers are intersecting. How was the overall communication on that hyper growth? Because a lot of stuff is happening, right? HR, um, clients, onboarding, and so on. Was there a special team dedicated to always inform and make sure that everybody is on board with all the latest news? How was that uh, going on internally? Obviously, there are structures that are being, you know, that have been built to make sure that this communication happens. But because it's still a relatively flat organization, even to the, this point, you know, the communication happens on a flat level. Everything is, for example, on Slack, right? So then you can reach out to anybody in the organization and ask a question and they'll, they'll be answered to, right? It's also an organization of really expressing your 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 opinions right if you disagree with something people openly talk about that and they'll challenge whether they'll challenge daniel or they'll challenge one of their peers they will and it'll lead to conversations right and this is this is also important right it, it is about being humble right it's about understanding you you can always be wrong and it's fine you know the worst thing you can do is to not let people tell you that you're wrong mm-hmm. uh, so th- this is happening so the communication is flows quite freely in the organization um, so that I think that that prevented a lot of the uh, of potential issues obviously there were issues and you know we've done mistakes and it's normal you learn it's about how you quickly you correct and where you want to go yeah I, I think I think you know it's really nice because I'm, I'm, I'm just realizing right now is that it's a sort of a difference in terms of uh, push and pull information, right? If you have Slack, since you already have that, you have Slack as a communication tool, all the team members, all the employees can always go and pull the information they need, right? If you publish certain news into a a channel, it's always there and you can get it. And uh, I'm saying this in comparison to uh, when you have to push information via the email, via uh, some kind of other medium and that's the only way you can get the information. So I think that's a really interesting and very um, important thing to look at when you have communication infrastructure inside a company. I didn't, I didn't thought about it like that, but uh, since um, you know, I just heard you about Slack, I just realized right now that it's, it's very different when you push and pull information. Well, Slack is one. I think the combination, it, it's always a push and pull, mm-hmm. right? 
it's not only Slack. There's other solutions that do. We, we, we grew, I think the company grew up with Slack. Uh, for me, it was new actually when I joined, right? Um, for me, it was funny. It kind of reminded me of the IRC days. Exactly. Um, actually, <laughs> um, it's command line. I, I like to use the command line. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, other people are more comfortable with other venues. So access to information is the combination between push and pull, right? Um, even, you know, anywhere, because there's so much information, it's also about individually how you manage your information flow and how, how you structure it, right? And then obviously as an organization, you try to make it, you know, UX is not only about the external user, it's also about the internal user. Exactly. So I think it's a, that's a constant challenge for any organization. How do you do that? I, I agree. Um, Andre, we have um, many types of listeners that are joining our podcast. And uh, before we move in into more um, complex and deep dive discussions, I just want to go through um, my kind of general question, and that would be RPA, Robotic Process Automation. How it works and what is it? Can you give us some use cases? What does it apply to? So, um, RPA is a technology, and the name robotic process automation. Many times, you know, people understand. You know, they imagine mechanical robots, you know, going and you know, on the factory floor. No, this is not. It's about it's about software automation. Uh, but what it is the, the basic concept of RPA, how it was born, was a, if you want to automate certain kinds of processes and work rather than go and you know do a full engineering you know as a custom development software you know why not have these little software that actually you train them to do what the user does it's actually mimicking the user that's what it does you know it works at the at the at the gui level at the you know at the at the interface level so actually if if you have people in a maybe to see hundreds of people where this is what they do. They get various emails, they have to go take the information from those emails, enter them into an SAP, maybe run some calculations so they can put them into their, into their account payables or into some other reporting metrics, right? If you look at these processes and you, you, you do some analysis and see this is repetitive. This is actually, there's a few exceptions, they're high volume, you know, uh, why not teach a computer to replicate that and free up that person, those workers, to be able to focus on those 10, 20% of invoices that might have some exceptions, that might have some uh, issues with them. There might be some inconsistencies in the product. I don't know. There's so many things. The, because you, you win, you know, twofold at least, right? You win by doing your work fast, threefold. Faster, fewer exceptions, and a lot more focus on the real outliers where you have to have maybe a conversation with the customer, all right? This is where, and this makes also, you know, the, the cherry on this cake, it also makes life for those people working there a lot more exciting. Yeah. It's not about the, the sequence of 20 clicks and, you know, uh, radio button checks, but rather than actually going and trying to understand an issue, sending out that email with that clarification and you know maybe who knows issuing a credit note whatever the case mm -hmm. but that, that that's the basic concept uh it's about replicating the tedious tasks right replacing 
the the robot in the human right it's i always laugh this you know you know the the challenge is you know the uh, we want you know the robots will replace the the humans no what rpa does is is removes the robot from the human so it's it allows a human to be human and let's what you, a robot should do let the robot do exactly Exactly. Well, I, I never thought about it like that. This is a new perspective as well for me. And it makes sense. I had uh, data processing jobs in the past and I know how it is. I know how it feels to do the same click over and over again, hundreds of times. And um, I think it's more about, about, I mean, what UiPath is doing is that it's giving back humans the capability to be creative and do what they do and, and do what they're best at, right? Um, to solve complex issues that maybe, you know, robots or technology around um, AI is not able to do today. But yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, the scope of the automation is growing. And even, you know, from basic RPA, we are, you know, we've reached where we're doing process, you know, anything from process discovery to analytics to, to training machines. So, and maybe this is, uh, we'll go further where this industry is going, but, mm-hmm. you know, but this is the underlying concept. It's about replacing, re- removing the robot from a human and really letting the humans focus on what they're doing. This is maybe a, a really good example uh, is, you know, where we're living in, you know, hopefully in a flattened curve pandemic world, right? Um, I, I don't know if you've seen, but there's, we've actually seen some use cases, unbelievable ones where, you know, okay, there's, you know, there's medics, there's doctors, right? Mm-hmm. That have been fighting, you know, been really on the, on the front lines, whether it's in Italy, whether it's in the UK, in Ireland, or in New York, you know, their job is to pretty much save lives, right? On the other hand, we're not living in this ideal world, so somebody needs to pay, right? So they need to do, they, they, there's health insurance issues, uh, there's hiring issues because they need to scale up. That comes with a level of bureaucracy, Yeah. right? So actually what we've done, and we've actually, so in, in March, we actually came out with a worldwide program where we actually make our technology free to use for anybody using our technology for COVID response. Globally for healthcare and certain markets also for you know, public administration, right? So what we've seen, and this was actually an article on the cover of the Wall Street Journal in April, is for example, a hospital in, in Ireland that they implemented RPA. So they actually were able to relieve the medics and the paramedics and the nurses from all this tedious, you know, paperwork about, you know, wow. you know running the paperwork for these patients yeah. and actually really focus on their medical job, right? Yeah. The Hippocratic Oath is not about uh, thou shall not forget to submit an insurance form. <laughs> thou shall, yeah. the, the Hippocratic Oath, thou shall, shall do everything you can to save lives. Exactly right yeah so that's that's that, that that's amazing and we've seen this amazing response in new york we we were, were actually working a lot with the state of new york for example processing all their application forms as they're scaling up the the, the volunteers right mm-hmm. we we 
we're not doing it. We're providing the technology. Obviously, we're helping actually also with some with some knowledge. But it's about the technology that can do this and they can do it fast. Yeah. If you actually hired, and this is actually maybe one of the best um, way to explain really the value of RPA. If you you could have done this before, right? You could have had a large software company come and do it. It'll take you six months with. 50 people to build a system like that. No, here you can do, you can quickly run it. You can put it on top of your existing systems and it'll do the job for mm-hmm. you. So that, that, that is really, it's also, it's about very quick ROI. It's a really cool go to market. This is why it's called robotic process automation because you're training little robots after robots to quickly learn, who will really quickly learn from you. Then they'll go and, uh, let you focus on the really value added. I think I think um, that that would be a perfect name for the podcast episode: removing the robot within humans. I think just just it just uh, you know signifies and says everything when when it comes to RPA. Taking the robot out of the human, so that that yeah. would be. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and um, what would you say is is next? I mean, this is already mind blowing and adding um, disruptive change to old legacy infrastructure, right? Uh, it could be private, it could be public, but what is next? What is, what is after RPA? And is, is there something that UiPath is working uh, on or, right? Where do you see the RPA industry going? Well, the industry is still growing amazingly. And actually, uh, I'm not going to say what we see, but I'll, I'll revert back to Gartner. Mm-hmm. Right, gardeners, they're looking at hyper automation, and this is where it's going, is the number one actual trend for this year, right? In terms of software, right? Uh, so, what is hyper automation? Hyper automation is looking at, at automation across the spectrum. That means, so we have our solution now encompasses from anything from process discovery, so we have our own process mining. Uh, solution, right? So we can actually, you can employ, deploy it into an enterprise. They'll, it'll analyze your data and give you, describe your processes so you can see where there are, you know, issues, how mm-hmm. long certain steps take so you can start looking there. We also have, you know, task capture. So you something that, you know, as a as a business user, it can look at the, the, the what they do in terms of a repetitive and also automatically design the process flow. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the PDD process design diagram, right? Um, then you have, uh, you obviously have the design. So this is a, from our core RPA, which is where you actually design the workflows. You have the robots, which they actually do the, the work. You have the management layer, which is, you know, where you orchestrate armies of robots, where, you know, it goes and analyzes across the company, you know, okay, these are the processes happening right now this is where we need to allocate more robots you know these are how we manage this you know look at the efficiency look at you know there's backlog there's errors whatever it manages it's in a central location but then you also start having the ai section right we mm-hmm. have something called the ai fabric which is a which is a component that where you, you can, well anybody any customer can go and they can leverage whether it's existing machine learning models, they can have their own machine learning models and just plug them into our platform and they can run these, right? So you expand the scope of automation and of what it can is capable of. And then we also have the insights part where you actually, you always can assess what's happening uh, within the company. What we also came out with, um, and this is really amazing, it's a product called the Automation Hub. 
mm-hmm. which is actually the operating system for a center of excellence, right? So it's actually where. Um, what was what that? The, aud- the operating system for? For a, for a center of excellence. So usually okay, automation cool. in an enterprise happens via a center of excellence. So they'll large enterprise will have, and these people will look at uh, you know what processes do we need to automate. So this is the that is the if you will uh, a top down auto pro- process. But what it also does, it actually manages the our vision, and this is Daniel's vision for a few years now. For a robot for every for every person, so what it is it's a, it's a democratization of automation ideas within the enterprise. So anybody in the company can go and submit an automation idea, right? And this is where you actually have wow. measures for you have various tools for measuring the feasibility, the impact. You know, the, it gets a score that automation idea, right? Some analysts will look over it. With task capture, for example, you can you can actually run this and give, provide the PDD so they can see. Oh, look at these are the metrics. This is what we can save, you know. And then with this, the COE will look and this. Let's implement this and let's deploy it across the company, right? Let's man and this is your management layer that you know it's the operating system for your for 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 mm-hmm. this center of excellence. It gives them what they need to do all the tasks, right? So it, it's. It's really, it's really fantastic because it really makes it tangible to everybody, even to the business user. Because sometimes they'll be the ones to under identify, you know, what really needs to happen, what's where the automation. The other part about you know where it's going um, is um, so we have this you know center of excellence automation processized, and then there's the task automation. This is what really excites me personally because I'm not necessarily a developer. I have some technical background, but I've not coded in you know, since high school, pretty much. <laughs> I understand if I see code, right? Yeah. But I do, I'm not going to code. But this is where I can automate my own work. Okay. So I can go, like, I have a little robot, quote unquote, that I developed, because I have, you know, tons of emails from my Gecko strategic old email, right? to various Gmail accounts that I've had from college and, you know, going forward uh, to my profession, well, professional email is always there. So uh, a note to compliance, I'm not putting this together in, another, uh, <laughs> in a bucket, in a bucket, but I have this. So then I, what I want, what I'm doing is pretty much every morning I run it when I remember, because I have to, this is called attended automation. I have to actually attend that automation. I run it. And it'll just go and send me one email with a digest from all these inboxes. So I don't have to open 10 different boxes. And I don't want to have them all in my Outlook either to get spammed. So I just get a little synopsis of, you know, these emails. And I'll know if I need to open an inbox to see something, right? This is something that you can do all yourself. So anybody can go. If you have a little bit of understanding of, you know, processes, not even coding. Because, you know, you can go. Even for, for individual users, it's a free offering. So you can go from our from newipass.com and download our community edition. Okay, so that's something that I can do in the automation hub? Yes. As a, as no, a... in automation hub, it's for larger enterprises. Okay, got but it. This is, so this is another part of this democratization where anybody can automate their tasks. Okay, I would Automation definitely... hub happens from this once you have an idea as, a, as an employee, you have an idea, you submit it into the automation hub, and then the organization as a whole will implement that. Okay. On the other hand, you, Stefan, as an individual at home, you can just download this. It's free. So you, there's, no, there's no difference between what you would download and what our customers have, other than professional support, you know, uh, 
and formal support. But you can do this for your own automations on your machine. Okay. You run them and, you know, ready to go. You know, and if you have a startup and you want to use this technology, use it until you're within 5 million revenues. Uh, it's free. I was just about to say that I would use it for accounting. That's a headache. <laughs> of course it is a headache by definition, right? Yeah. It's funny because I get this question. Um, there was an event a few months ago before when we could still meet in person. Um, and somebody asked the question, the tough question, you know, you're saying, you know, this will not replace humans, right? Automation. But what will happen to accountants? And I always give the example of my own accountant from my company for Gecko, which, you know, still yeah. has some activities there, you know. And I say, I always have this. Okay, I don't have a lot of activity, so it's not necessarily a big problem. But any time in a company I was dealing with the accountant, I said, but why don't you, like, can't you just give me, why are you doing all this the data entry? And you're not catching that person, that, that, that little invoice that actually went a little bit over the original value of something, right? But they're so caught in having to do the tedious, you know, data entry, journal entry yeah. work. Yeah. They don't have time to, to focus on that. If you put RPA in this, they can automate that part and then they can really get those flags where this is where you need to check. Oh, look at, you know, look at the cash flow of your customer. Send them, you know, send them a, a warning label. Man, you're in this, you're running out of runway, right? Yeah. From your money. Okay. Or, you know, wait, your cash flow is in danger. You know, you're, you're, you're reach, you risk actually running out of cash in two, three months. Yeah. Watch out your spending, right? Exactly. So Mint does that. Fint, like a lot of startups in fintech do that. Not so much for small companies, the legacy companies, right? Yeah. You know, especially, you know, the technology is there, but legal requirements are still from the 19th century in many cases. So you'll still have, need to have that. So, but, you know, you leverage technology to meet, to bridge that gap. Yeah. If... I'm just, I'm just uh, since you, we kind of stepped into, you know, uh, accounting slash business uh, umbrella. If I'm a company involved in IT uh, sector, can we, can we become as a, you know, certified UI path, automation specialists or things like that, or resellers? Is there something ongoing within UI path? Yes. Um, it's a, it... Our model, we are a technology company. So we are, we, our models at the core of it, we, we provide technology. So we reach out, we, I think at this point, uh, we have about over 1500 business partners worldwide. Okay. So these business partners are companies, you know, mostly, you know, from the global services, the Accenture's, Cognizant's, you know, Deloitte and everything to local um, software shops. Mm -hmm. that have the skills, they, they, they've learned our technology, they've certified some people, and they go to their customers and provide automation services. They, they, they understood that their customers will try to will start looking at this. Okay. Their customers might have seen even now Gardner's prediction. You know, this, yeah. is what's, this is the trend, right? So, um, so then what these they, they they come to us and actually it's online if you go on the UI path website and you go um, become a partner we have two types of partner one and 
what we're talking about here is the business partners. Yeah. So any business partner can, you know, should be able to do two things, right? Help implementation for end customers and resell. Okay. So we have, and we obviously have tiers for that. You know, you know, you need to have some certified people, maybe one or two use cases, publish a component of our marketplace. So we have a marketplace for components. So anybody can go and publish mm -hmm. there. So, uh, you know, so we've seen that you've committed and you've done your work. Because then we start, you know, you start getting, you know, uh, support in terms of sales, everything. So you, you can. So this is how we do. So um, I think uh, about 70% of our, our business is partner influence. So it's not necessarily that it's being sold through partners, but, you know, that company goes and they deal with an end customer enterprise and say, okay, I'm going to provide the automation. And the guy said, okay, but I want to buy it directly from your iPad. Fair enough, you'll buy it. But they, and they'll be the ones actually doing the implementation. So, yeah, we have this and it's an open program. But, you know, it's the, mo the amount of effort you put in. If you have a customer, obviously, you know, you certify your people. We have an academy that's also free. Mm -hmm. You can learn the technology for free. Okay. Certifications. I don't know if they're still free for a year, like we had a promotion. So it's very similar. Though, yeah. yeah. It's very Go similar ahead. to what, uh, what I can see in uh, HubSpot, right? HubSpot has as well, it's a content um, driven uh, SaaS and uh, CRM. And uh, they have also academy uh, and you can get certified and as a company and also as a person within, you know, to work with that uh, technology and platform. So I think uh, from what you're saying is very similar to that. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's, we've not reinvented the wheel. What we've done is we've made it free for everybody. Mm -hmm. So all of the re training resources are free and they're open. That's right. very similar also to, to Slack, right? So the Slack had a really interesting model that um, brought them reach and uh, traction right uh, it's very similar to what you uh, what UiPath is doing right now and giving people the solution for free or into some extent you know to use the, the technology for free and start implementing and you know being creative about it how and how they could automate you know Monday tasks like like you said so yeah I think it's a uh, it's going to be really useful for um, overall society to understand and somehow release themselves under this umbrella or yeah umbrella of you know doing tedious tasks like you say yeah so um yeah it, it's um it's a very selfless business decision right but it's mm -hmm. business you know if you do this like we have i, I don't know the latest number right now, about 700,000 people who actually started our like who are in our academy Okay, seven hundred thousand people worldwide. So, this is this. These are people that That's will huge. let we use exactly. It's, they, you know, our customers' success will depend on how many people know our technology, right? So, that this is also why you want to have it open, right? Yeah, right. Because you you and it, yeah, the fact that the solution is really intuitive to use and everything, yeah, that will definitely help. But if you give it give access, right? It's a uh, it, it helps you and it also actually serves a larger purpose because we have, you know, reskilling programs, upskilling programs. So we're also looking at tackling these kind of issues. Yeah. It's, I think it's going to be, or maybe it is already, and I don't know if this is a good comparison, like wildfire effect, right? 
um, people jumping on it and you know spreading and that's a that's a very good thing uh, to happen um, if i if, if i'm just uh, i'm just thinking uh, coming back to what you were saying previously if i'm a an employee at for example uh sap right uh and i'm doing all the accounts payable accounts receivable is there a way and i just want to make sure that i got this right is there a way that me as an employee of that company can uh get that get ui path technology and start exploring what i can automate we don't have a limitation for that because you sap will have a limitation right now Okay, but you as an employee, you, you're bound by the infrastructure of the customer, mm-hmm. right? So it's SAP. So obviously, we're not going to give free for enterprises. That's our business model, right? Uh, so it's called production um, in a large enterprise. So you could get the community edition and use it at home to run it, you know, to run it for your own goods. But if, you, if you're there... Probably what you want to do, we have the trial version. So you can go with SAP and say, yeah, mm-hmm. let's, oh, look, oh, I've heard about this company. Go to talk to your infrastructure team. I, I want to run a trial. We have a 60-month day, whatever, uh, trial. We have various commercial options for, for onboarding and for, you know, let's see this, Lynn, yeah. right? So you, you can do that. The reason why I was asking this because um, I was mentioning Slack and Slack gives you, right, this opportunity to have... Um, up to a certain number of uh, messages exchanged between, you know, users uh, for free, right? So that was a, a, a cap that uh, people could, you know, download Slack, start using free of charge uh, or under trial, uh, however, free of charge, it's a freemium model, right? And that um, brought really big adoption and traction for Slack. And I'm just thinking if UiPath would have this, model of freemium towards um, enterprise slash corporate employees with a cap. I don't know what would be the cap, right? I don't know, maybe certain numbers of processes uh, run. Um, but with that cap, just to give them a taste, right, of uh, how could automation, you know, give them some some time and improve. That, but that, that, that's exactly the point of, of the trial offerings, right? Okay. Because I'll give you an example. There's a, there's a large, maybe, I don't know, audit company, right? And they have a huge backlog, right? So, you know, they can say, you know, or they have just one process that's really tedious. So, no, they'll take this and, you know, it's going to be their quickest win and they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, they would take this, right? Um, what's happening uh, the trial is exactly it's unlimited the trial you can do as many processes as you want right for 60 days obviously you can probably negotiate more okay i want to extend yeah, it exactly. for another 30 days or everything that's up to the the commercial discussion but this is exactly why and this is where we'll help or the or our partners are essential they'll go and they'll see the value right away there's very quick wins you can do Mm-hmm. Right, like I, I was mentioning the COVID case. Like yeah, exactly. You see the value right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andre, I was reading a lot of uh, about UiPath right in the in the last couple of months, and uh, my question would be: Is UiPath planning to IPO in the near future? I know this. This is uh, a lot of uh, hitting a lot of uh, media uh, outlets. And uh, I was just curious to ask. 
it's not secret. We, we've publicly said we are tar targeting an IPO. Now, when the timing will be, there's so many conditions. And we have a, you know, we are by now a large company. We have a team that's focusing on the, the financing, that's looking at this. Um, if you will, we are targeting an IPO in the sense that our strategy leads to that. We're mm -hmm. really becoming a lean company. We're focusing on revenue growth. We're, we're focusing on being efficient. You know, these are the kind of things, you know, to... You know that that that's that's the point, right? Mm -hmm. IPO IPO is an is a result, is a is an effect, right, of something. What we're trying to do is to make this a really really solid company. You know that's highly ridiculously profitable. You know, once we're there, you know, IPO will be a natural step. Yeah, just uh, ticking the box, right, to yeah. all the all the steps done uh, up until that uh, stage. Um, we were talking about at the beginning about um, startups and um, innovation and, and so on. How is UiPath currently involved in the startup ecosystem? How can, how, how, yeah, how does it help? Yeah. So I, I think you, I think you've, you've hinted at this, you know, as the context for our discussion today. So um, for years, a lot of people in UiPath, uh, myself included, you know, we're getting a lot of questions from startups. Mm -hmm. um, you know, can you help us? You know, you've been through this recently. You've you've seen the challenges. Um, how can you help us? You know, give us advice. You know, can we use your technology? What can we do? Um, and last year, um, with uh, with our chief strategy officer um, uh, Varga, uh, we we looked at this and, and said, you know, why don't we do a formal program for this? Let's see how this would come out, right? Because pretty much, especially in Central Eastern Europe, you know, this was an expectation. UiPath has gotten so much press, like everybody's looking up to us. You know, you've done this amazing thing. You're a unicorn or hectacorn or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> right? Um, can you help us, right? So we said, rather than have all these, you know, everybody gets, you know, various questions, why don't we actually try to do a... A formal program. So last year we had a pilot. It's called the Automation Awards, um, which was done as a volunteer, you know, on the side project for a few for a team from within UiPath. Um, and we've seen some really good results. So uh, we've seen last year about 120 applicants from across the CEE. Um, eventually, we had the, the the winner, the gala within How to Web in Bucharest. Mm -hmm. Um, and we decided to to expand this program after the pilot and to continue this uh, this year. So we just launched it actually uh, two weeks ago. We, that's we launched very, the edition. That's um, a very good number for a pilot uh, project. One hundred and twenty applicants. It was, um, and we're targeting. But so what we're doing specifically? This is an, it's called the Automation Awards. Um, it's a program catered for startups and scale-ups. We're targeting both with two mm -hmm. different programs. Um, across CE and Turkey. Mm -hmm. So from the Baltics to Poland to Hungary, Czech Republic, uh, um, and all the, all the way down to Greece, Turkey. Um, and um, it is for software automation. Companies that are targeting, they have a solution, a technical solution within software automation. And it's vague for a reason. We want to leave it as wide as possible. Um, the other condition being that they need to be focused on a B2B model. Mm -hmm. 
so an enterprise model that that these are these are the conditions applications are open as of two weeks ago okay they're open through the end of august okay. if you go if you go and look even on various startup pages you'll see it mm -hmm. uh but you you'll you'll hear about this a lot and uh, about the automation awards we what we want is we want for startups we want to have a well-established team we want to have a technical mvp um and obviously a vision a business model everything in place as for a startup where do you, uh, what we provide is uh a, a there's a financial price to this a fifty thousand euro uh, award which is actually provided by microsoft there are partners for this year Mm -hmm. um, and then we also provide a lot of mentorship, support, marketing, technical support, um, and also working with our immersion labs where you can actually highlight your technology in conjunction with us. This is for startups. Um, and for scale-ups, we actually, we ask for having paying customers mm -hmm. um, to having obviously the, 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 tech, the, the team in place. Um, so it has to be validated, right? This is about scaling up. And this is where we can help a lot. Um, there's a limitation, I think, for startups. You can, your total financing to date can, has to be less than a million dollars. And for mm -hmm. scale-ups, less than three. Mm -hmm. So, okay, uh, FinTech OS wouldn't necessarily be eligible for the scale-up awards because they're already quite a successful company. Yeah. Um, for scale-ups, what we do, on the other hand, we're not focusing on the financial price because at this point we're, you know, they're already they've proven they're, let's just say, maybe financially viable. But what they need is scaling up. So that's where we provide C-level mentorship. We help them with go-to-market strategies. We mm -hmm. actually do formal introductions to customers, to some are you know hand-picked customers, some of our, large, our largest customers. So we really take you and it's for us, it's really one of the reasons also actually why we decided to continue the program is we've seen the results from the first edition. The winners, the winner, the, the scale up winner was actually a company out of Romania, okay. Smart Dreamers uh, out of Tergumuresh. And on the startup was a company out of Poland, which is called Edward.ai, which is an AI based chatbot. So sales assistant for sales, um, personal assistant, for sales for mm -hmm. the teams, uh, we've seen the impact of our of, of our support, and it's been you know they're very excited that we, we we've introduced them to our technology, doing joint POCs, helping them scale up in the US in some cases you know so it, obviously we're doing something right, and this was a decision to to go this and also uh, partnering with Microsoft was again very important because they can also help them within CE also they have a bigger presence so it, it was quite natural for us to to do this partnership and we're very happy to have Microsoft on board as well yeah I think uh, corporate venture capital is always uh, a, a network and uh, um, resources that could help startups uh, we definitely need more let's say players in the market as UiPath as these uh, automation awards um, um, projects where they bridge um, slash collaborate between corporates, uh, startups, scale-ups, and, you know, help them and, you know, actually scale up and uh, validate themselves in the market. Um, I think it's, it's scarce in terms of how many initiatives have, have, we have uh, in terms of bridging this part. So I'm really happy that this is happening at least uh, um, 
from UiPath and what we can see at Automation Awards. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. So you said until uh, end of August they can apply? Uh, August 30th is the deadline for applications. And then from there, um, at that point, within about two weeks, we'll do an evaluation and we'll announce a, b a batch of semi-finalists. Okay. And with these companies, we'll actually do a deep dive. So we'll actually go into, you know, a technical deep dive, maybe approach, talk to some of their customers, mm -hmm. and know the team, everything. And then we'll announce at the early, beginning of October, we'll announce the finalists. There will be three for each category, three for startups mm -hmm. and three for scale-ups. And then the, 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 the final gala will also be, will be within HowToWeb on, on October 20th. It's obviously still as it's 2020, uh, it's going to be a virtual event as it seems now, but it will be a live event. So there will be pitching involved. There will be judges actually judging on the spot for the grand prize. Awesome. What I like, what I like also is that you didn't put some strict uh, rules in terms of uh, what kind of startups and scale-ups can, they can, uh, they can apply. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, just having paying customers, right? It's one way to say, it's one thing to say just having paying customers. And one is to say, have this much revenue, within this time type of timeline right so that's a lot of um rigidness to it so that's that's something that i like and also i'm i'm looking at and comparing with the U european funding grants right that's also kind of a rigid so this is something different and much flexible definitely and gives you much um much more much broader access to what kind of startups and scale-ups are there uh, in terms of automation um Andre, um, I'm preparing for my couple of last questions. And um, I want to ask you, what would be your recommendation for anybody that would like to get to know more about RPA? Where should they go to? Have a pen and paper. <laughs> uh, Academy.uipath.com. Okay. There's like courses from how to, you know, from basic rpa introduction right yeah rpa 101 which will you know you've you you once you'll see it you know it's so easy like if you see the first two and a half minute video you'll understand what it does right this is why it's brilliant it's so simple conceptually right obviously the one you get into the nuts and bolts of it there's a lot more complexity to it right but it's easy to understand and then you can take it from there you know Start with an RPA introduction class and then you can go how to automate your email, how to automate, you know, there's so many different tools, right? And obviously, and even the academy will tell you, download those, our solution. Just go on our community edition. You can download our studio. You can use our Studio X, which is actually a no-code option oh, on nice. our platform. So that's, you know, can, you can do basic automation on pretty much on the Microsoft productivity tools over, you know, Office, mm -hmm. Outlook, everything else. So you, you can do that very easily. Nice. I like um, no-code movement a lot. <laughs> it's called, it's, we call it the citizen developer solution, mm -hmm. right? So that, that's where you don't need to have the, the, the technical background to be able to automate your work. Okay. Um, so go there, academy.uipad.com. Uh, it'll give you, but that, that should be your first place to understand how it works and to, to learn. It. Um, after that, it's pretty much, you know, the law of physics, you know, you get out what you put in, you know. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, Andre, we, we talked a lot um, about um, 
enterprise and uh, UI path and uh, unicorns. But uh, um, to have more companies like this, you definitely need um, a space where um, you have all the ingredients necessary to give to these type of companies to become scale-ups, to become unicorns, right? So what do you think there is, how, how do you build a sustainable innovation center or ecosystem in an economy that has the potential, but is not there yet? What are the missing ingredients? Um, a clear vision, uh, consistency, and funding. Okay. Right? So consistency means implementation. So have a vision, but follow it. Yeah. And think it holistically. Like you have to think it as a, if you're talking about, we're talking about an economy. So I take your question is about at the macro level. Yeah, exactly. Right? You need to have a holistic, like a vision, right? We want to become within a generation, you know, a leading innovator or whatever. Um, and follow, follow that vision. You know, talk to the people that know it. So first of all, you know, get expertise. Uh, talk to the people that have done it. Uh, always have little litmus tests to see where you're going, where you need to fix. But, you know, your, your overall vision should be there, you know. And then, okay, we need to do this. But everything you need to do, you're, you're doing, whether it's on the educational front, whether it's on the financing front, whether it's on the business front, has to be aligned to that vision and they have mm -hmm. to make sense within that ecosystem right because you, right now there's a there are many efforts but you know like i was always laughing is particularly in romania so while i have another effort another hat which is called inotech is a conference about innovation policy in romania mm -hmm. um so we've actually had these conversations with people from all over the world right so once you uh, you talk about it, how do you generate this, you know, um, you have to keep it structured. In Romania, so I think there was, uh, there were every about five or six ministries with their own programs, various, various agencies within the ministry that had their own programs. Each would maybe get a European grant to follow one program. There was no coordinated vision. And that was, you know, and even from our conference there, the one, the main conclusion was that we need we need a, an AT, ATC, an air traffic control, a tower for this ecosystem. Somebody who sees all the movements within this and controls them, you know, harmonizes them, right? Yeah. That that I think that's important, right? And then obviously you have to work on education because you need to have a different type of education. You have to work on financing. You want what financing schemes do you have? You have to spend wisely rather than spend for the sake of spending. Exactly. All right. So they're, they're, but I'd start with having that one vision, but that's not going to change every year. Do you think we have the people skilled and ready to build that vision or to at least have some number of people that can group around certain vision like that? We have a lot of amazing talent in Romania. Um, 
and uh, we don't even have to limit to Romania. Exactly. Uh, Serbia has done some amazing jobs and they leveraged a lot of experience from Israel, from around the world. You know, so it's not something that we cannot do. But it, it does take responsibility and it does take consistency. And it, it takes also uh, probably a, a humble approach to go back to UI path values, right? Mm -hmm. Don't... Uh, go on one direction and because it's yours that's the one be always open to challenges you know to revisiting it rethinking it you know uh, before oh, but that's up to the point where you decide on this on where you want to go right so yeah. before you set that up don't 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 try a lot of things maybe an idea maybe it's actually good what's happening that we're piloting a hundred thousand different things but we've been doing this for many, many years now. So, uh, <laughs> it's not uh, bringing us any joy yeah, anymore. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, we need a, a strong leader or maybe a couple of more leaders that can hold themselves accountable and um, follow that vision? Do you think we don't have those people and we need them? I think we, I think we have everything we need. What we need, I think what's, Oh, the, the the trigger will be when we realize we have to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we can't, you know, also we have to understand if you if you look at the economy, this economy in the last 20 years, in the last seven years since, you know, we were talking at the beginning to round up the conversation when we were starting to talk about startups, mm -hmm. it's evolved amazingly. The economy as a whole has evolved amazingly. We still have huge issues, but if you look at poverty levels and everything, Romania has grown, right? So you, but to understand where we need to go, you have to have this, you know, you need to understand it's about, it's a must for the future, mm -hmm. right? We have all the ingredients. I don't know, I don't know if the time is right. Maybe we still we still have a lot of structural issues to solve before we talk that. Maybe we're not at that point in the Maslow hierarchy. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, because somehow from being kind of involved at the grassroots level, I see this need more and more of having um, sustainable and consistent innovation centers or playgrounds for businesses to come and test, validate, and grow their businesses, but actually do it, right? Not only from a PR-wise, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing that accelerator. Actual doing those consistently things and bringing, uh, you know, outcomes within a, a timeline of one, two, three years. You can see that, you know, it, it went from um, making uh, 5,000 MRR to making 250 MRR per, per month, right? Or could be per year, but you know, it scaled that business. So definitely I can see that from my conversations and discussions within the ecosystem that um, it needs that. And that's why kind, kind of my question came from, from, that, uh, from that space because um, I'm, I'm talking to all these uh, people about what they think about um, that we need to have that innovation center. Um, I, to, to your question, What's an innovation center? Why isn't every center an innovation? Like it's about, I think it's also about instilling innovation within your mindset as any center, right? Obviously in uh, national defense, you, 
innovation should be you know a little bit more controlled because mm-hmm. you don't want anybody like think i have a, i have a better way of ge- creating that nuclear button well, the risk of <laughs> failure there might be um but overall i think it, it's about thinking it through like in ui path you know any discussion any item can be discussed and you know it, anybody can has the safety to bring up you know whether it's a new idea or maybe challenge something we're doing you have to have that mindset of promoting the conversation that this being said doesn't mean you have to act on every wild idea mm-hmm. but have that conversation and you know it's also the difference between uh, listening and hearing mm-hmm. right you yeah. have to listen not just hear exactly yeah it it was really weird because um from one of my conversation with uh, mukul pal mukul pal from alpha block he kind of foreseed that in order for the ecosystem the innovation innovation part and product focused um, uh, business and not only outsourcing to grow or to move um in, into that direction we will have to have um, unicorns, right? And then UiPath came and we had a unicorn and um, the market saw that and things started to move and shift uh, in terms of unicorn, uh, uh, UiPath set, uh, let's say an example of it can be done and it works if you invest into that, uh, into that uh, segment. And I think, you know, I'm just looking at it even holistically, like you said, you know, Romania is a, culture that is always kind of a um in a big percentage adopting western you know businesses trends and so on and what i can see is that um the culture it's this thing is happening also in this in this specific sector they've seen that oh we have a unicorn or we have this business and this business and that is a you know proven result that it can be done so it's actually you know growing or um, it's an evolution from two sides, right? So they, they see that there is a result, actual result, and they, you know, there ha- something happens in their brains and start thinking, oh, we should maybe start investing more because look, it's actually happening. So I think it's a, it's a matter of um, adoption and how, you know, the fact that they're adoption, it's a transition, right? It's a transition into more future and forward thinking model. Yeah, I, true. Um, one caveat is, you know, I always go back to survivorship bias, right? Mm-hmm. UiPath is a unicorn. Uni- the, the term unicorn is not chosen because there's a horn on top of a horse. It's because it's a mythical creature. So it's a very rare occurrence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, UiPath has done amazing things, but in, to Danny, if Daniel says, you know, for 10 years, we were a company in an apartment in, uh, on the outskirts of Bucharest. Mm-hmm. It was about resilience. It was about a lot of hard work. And to a certain point, it was about luck, about being in the right place at the right time. You know, so be mindful of survivorship bias, right? Not every company that follows on UI path steps will have the same course, right? Um, there's going to be different courses, right? Look at what companies that have not succeeded. You know, you know, this is look at both sides and, and don't try to replicate somebody. Find yeah. your, 
understand as much, but find your own path. You know, persevere, you know, make sure and try to see, to find that moment, you know, identify when that door opens, right? Be prepared for that door to open. Then you can, then there is a chance. And, you know, I wish everybody luck to become a unicorn or, you know, what, whatever kind of success metric, right? Yes, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd love to have more unicorns that were born out of this, out of this region, right? Um, but it, it's really about taking the time, you know? There's, you can't cheat your, your way into this league. You have to work. Andre, I, I kind of came to my final question and um, we're going to keep it in the same space of startups. And um, what would you recommend to a fresh founder of a startup um, to do in order to have a, a higher probability of making it? I know there's timing, I know there's uh, team uh, stuff, but what would be the actual steps that he would have to do in order to get himself validated faster and start getting traction? Oh, if there was one thing I could say, no, mm-hmm. I think the could founder be more, could be more the, definitely. The founder she definitely needs to work a lot. Right? She'd have mm-hmm. to uh make sure she has a right team around her. And she she looks she understands what she's she looks at the vision. She she continues to have to look at vision and she sets up a few values that are important to her. I think that's important as she grows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to build and to have everybody around you aligned to those values. Mm-hmm. That would be, um, and then to that point, uh, I'll go back to a definition of, you know, um, you know, the key elements for success. You know, there's four pillars, and this was from a professor of mine in, in Berkeley, in university where I studied. It was right, you had the product, obviously the team, mm-hmm. the context, be mindful of your context. I wouldn't expect to have a unicorn on the hospitality business right now, although Uber was born during the financial crisis, but yeah. with social distancing, maybe that's not the hottest industry. Um, and then is the deal. What is that one deal that you want or the deal that you can pursue that will make the difference for you? You know, for UiPath, this was a deal actually with, with, with Dell in India in 2013. Mm-hmm. That was one deal, right? All right. What's that deal? Uh, understand that deal when that's important. You know, look at that. These are like the four... They're not my coming up. So this is, you know, people much smarter than, my, than myself coming up with ideas. But I think it makes sense. I like this idea of the deal. What's like that it. one thing that will push you over there, you know, from being a startup, you know, professional startup event participant to, a, you know, to a speaker for every, every once in a while <laughs> you have time. Yeah, and I think it's going to... Um... I didn't heard about it, about the, the deal part uh, until now. And I'm just thinking about it. It's, it's forcing you to think um, actually strategically and not just, you know, 
wander around and pitch like uh, crazy to all kinds of events that are not strategically fit for you as a as a team as a startup maybe for some companies the deal might be winning the automation awards because that will exactly you know so uh i don't yeah. know yeah andre thank you very much for taking the time and uh, joining me on this tech talk um hopefully um all our listeners uh, will enjoy everything that has uh um came out of your experience and your background and um hopefully you enjoyed the talk as well thank you very much It was i enjoyed the talk thank you for having me uh and yeah uh i'm going to and if you if you want if you have something interesting you're working on a startup or on a scale up like do apply for the automation awards it's you know this coming from the participants from before it definitely can be a worthy experience and it can generate a lot of value for you guys Thank you Andre. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, share and review our podcast because the voice of our community keeps us going forward. Find more episodes and discover different perspectives about tech and business and in our daily life. Thank you.